anything that come, can come against you in the world. Would you? He is all we need. How many of you love the Word of God today? How many of you can say summertime has arrived? We've been talking about giant killers the last few weeks. I want you to know there's a giant killer that lives in you. Here's the verse. Greater is he that is in you than anything that can come against you in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Talking about the enemy of our soul. Paul wrote to Pastor Timothy, his son in the faith, and said, Timothy, I want you to stir up the gift that is in you. Stir it up. Don't walk in fear because God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit, but of power and of love and a sane, sound mind. That's what God has given us. Now, in our first message three weeks ago, we talked about David's preparation, how he learned to operate in the power of God by killing the lion and the bear. Then we talked about his determination, his preparation, then his determination, which was to face Goliath with spiritual weapons. He came against Goliath in the name of the Lord, not with sword and spear. Now, today I want to talk to you about his motivation. What motivated this teenager? He wasn't even in the army. He didn't have to go into the battle, but something got him when he heard Goliath talking. And he said, he's coming down. What was the motivation that rested in his heart and where did he get it and how can we get it? Because we need to have the same motivations he did. So let's read 1 Samuel 17, starting at verse 23. Now David is surrounded by some of the Israeli army and his big brother Eliab. And it says, as he was talking with those men, with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. Now quickly, this is the 42nd day. Goliath has come out of the woodwork, come across the valley and threatened the armies of Israel twice a day, the 42nd day in a row. So 83 to 84 times he has mocked and ridiculed and defied God's army. But this is the first time a giant killer heard him. Everybody else was terrified of him. But now this teenager, David, who has a giant killer inside him, hears him. And as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Shame on them. Have you seen the giant, the men asked? He comes out every day to defy Israel. And the king has offered a huge reward to anybody that kills him. Well, the king should have been killing him. Goes on, well, he will give that man one of his daughters for a wife. And we're going to see later that wasn't necessarily a great deal. <laughs> we'll go on to the next part that is a good deal. And that man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. Amen. I'd kill a giant for that or two. Now, it says when David's older brother Eliab heard David talking, he starts coming against him. And he says, he becomes angry. He says, what are you doing around here anyway? Now, notice he starts marginalizing and defining down this giant killer. Started putting him down. What are you doing here? 
you little runt, you squirt. Look what he says. I know about you, your pride and deceit. Well, that was a false accusation. He wasn't proud and he wasn't deceitful. You just want to see the battle, Eliab said. And David said, what have I done now? Now, read the next five words with me, would you? Is there not a cause, said David? Father, thank you for your word today, and I pray that you will stir up the giant killer in every person in this room and everyone listening by radio, that you will help us to, to rise up against the giants that come against our life and defeat them because the giant killer lives in us, Jesus. And in his name we pray, amen. Turn to somebody and tell them there's a giant killer in you. I love this story. It's probably the most famous story in the Word of God. And I have been so touched by this that I'm writing a book on it. I've finished the first chapter already. I'm going to call it The Making of a Giant Killer. And Lord willing, we're going to publish it. And I want to get the word out there because there's a giant killer in you. God did not come into your life for you to walk around defeated, full of fear, intimidated, pushed down, marginalized, defined down. He touched every one of us that we would influence our culture for the glory of God. Now, what struck me about this young man, and I've told you, I was on a jet flying to Africa, and I found out that I was going to be speaking four times that I didn't know about. So I asked the Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say to all these pastors? And he dropped into my heart two little words, giant killers. Well, when you hear that, you know you're going to the story of David in 1 Psalm 17, and you're going to look at the ultimate giant killer, King David, before he was the king. And some things began to leap out at me from 1 Samuel 17, 1 Samuel 16, and David is mentioned in 1 Samuel 13. But what I began to wonder about is his motivation. Something gripped the heart of this teenager. Now, I want you to stop and think again. He's a teenager. And look what God did through a teenager. Now, it's important that I just set up this memory. Samuel had already been to him when, uh, before this that we read. Samuel had come to his house and poured the anointing oil on him, and it had poured down his hair, down his shoulders. He was anointed, and Samuel anointed him to be the next king of Israel. But something crucial and vital happened right then. It says, The Spirit of God came upon David, from that moment forward, from that day forward, this young teenager, this young man walked with the presence of the Spirit of God on him. And it totally changed him. What made David a giant killer? Well, I'm going to tell you, the Spirit of God coming upon him was the beginning of everything he would do the rest of his life in the power and to the glory of God. The Spirit of God made David a giant killer. Now that same Spirit that came upon David came upon you when you got saved. It didn't just come upon you, but came to live within you. The same Spirit that came upon David and rested on him from that day forward lives in you. And that Spirit that made him a giant killer 
is also working in you that you would bring down strongholds, that you would see people set free, that you would see spiritual chains snap, and that you would bring down giants to the glory of God through the name of Jesus and the Word of God and in the power of His Spirit. That's a fact. So let's talk about motivation a minute. Everybody is motivated by something. When you wake up in the morning, there's a motivation that beats in your heart. And I personally believe that everybody has a primary motivation. You may have sub-motivations for other things, but everybody that wakes up in the morning has in their heart a treasure. Jesus talked about it. Jesus said we all have a treasure. And that treasure is what motivates us to do what we do. Because we wake up to pursue that treasure. We wake up to go after it. We wake up to obtain it. Some people are motivated by a quest for fame. They want to be famous. They want to be known. They want to be a celebrity. And our culture is full of them. Look at Hollywood. Other people wake up and they're motivated by greed. They want money and a lot of it. They want things. They want stuff. It's their primary motivation. Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I could add to that where your heart is, is where your motivation is going to spring from. Still others are motivated by sensual pleasure. They wake up every day to pursue the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. And that's what they live for. And our culture is full of them. But there are some people who wake up and their motivation is to go after God. Seek God. Know God. Walk with God. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 13 that David got God's eye because David was a man after God's own heart. And the sacred word of God gives him that honor two times. We're told two times David was a man after God's own heart. So when David woke up in the morning, what motivated him? What motivated him was to, to walk with God to seek God, to know God, to love God, to live for God. And i got to tell you, church, that ought to be the motivation of every Christian. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is summed up in Jesus Christ. Seek first Jesus Christ and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So what's your motivation when you wake up in the morning? Do you think of Him? Do you pray to Him? Do you turn to Him? Do you say, Lord, help me to know you better today than I knew you yesterday? I want to walk with you. I want to know you. I want to become intimately acquainted with you. I have a hunger for you, a thirst for God. Is that your motivation? Whatever your dominant motivation is, is going to decide everything about you. Your career choice, who your friends are, what you give your talents and time and energy to, what you value the most, whatever your treasure is and therefore your motivation is going to decide what you are at the end of your days, what you have become. And we see in 1 Samuel 17, Samuel reveals, uh, or that book reveals the motivation, that chapter, 1 Samuel 17, reveals the motivation that made David a giant killer because he tells us what his motivation is. Now, let's keep in mind that it's first revealed that he didn't have a normal motivation or a typical motivation, I should say, when 
we see his response to Saul's reward. Saul had said, anybody that kills that guy, I'm going to give him great riches. I'm going to let him marry my daughter, and I'm going to give him tax exemption for life. So what that translated to was lifelong financial security. That would be nice, like winning the, the, the uh, huge lotto, f- set for life, lifelong membership in the royal family, and lifelong exemption from taxes. No state tax, no federal tax, no tax, no way ever again. I could go after a giant for that. That was a major carrot that Saul dangled in front of the eyes of Israel's army, but not a man among them had the courage or the guts or the giant killer inside of him to take advantage of it and use the incentive and go after Goliath. Nobody, after 42 days, went after him. Nobody. They sat in their tents, quivering in fear over one nine-foot-nine giant. Now, I understand that. Unless God is in you, And what we see is that David was not motivated by any of these things. Saul's reward was completely inconsequential to him. He said, you can have your money, you can have your daughter, I'll pay the taxes. That's not what motivates me. I have another motivation for wanting to bring him down. And we find that David's motivation was revealed in what he spoke to his critical brother when he said, I love these words, is there not a cause My cause is not to get the king's money, the king's daughter, or to be tax-free. That is not my cause. Money is not my cause. Financial independence is not my cause. Marrying into a family of, of high status is not my cause. I don't want riches. I don't want fame. I don't want popularity. Something else was beating in his heart. And in chapter 17, we find out that his cause can be broken down into three components. And let me, let me share them with you because his motivation needs to be our motivation. And at the end of our service, I want to pray that all of us are touched by God with David's motivation. The Spirit of God gave it to him. His first motivation is to restore the honor of God's army. Listen to what he said. David said to those around him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? Well, he already knew it was money, tax exemption, and the king's daughter. But he's going to tell us his motivation now. He he said, here's my reward when I bring him down. What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? And takes away the reproach from Israel. He said, I cannot stand seeing God's people reproach because God's people represent God and I love God and I don't want to see the name of my God dishonored or marginalized or defied or blasphemed. And what the Goliath is saying to the army, he is also saying to God and I can't take it. He said again, David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. Notice they weren't Saul's army and they weren't Israel's army. They were the armies of the living God. And what angered David most was that Goliath was defaming and ridiculing and shaming God's army. These were the armies of God. 
and in reproaching them, Goliath was reproaching the Lord himself. And David, filled with zeal for God and for his people, couldn't stand it. Now let me give you a fact. Every true giant killer, and I believe everybody in this room that's born again is a potential giant killer in God. Every true giant killer has a burden to see God's people arise and walk in victory. I don't want to see God's people hiding in a tent with the flaps closed, terrified of giants. That is not our calling. That is not our destiny. That is not our purpose. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against a marching church. That's what Jesus said. Jesus did not envision his people hiding in the shadows, just barely hanging on, waiting for his return to come. That is not the way Jesus envisioned us. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. You therefore go into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching them to observe everything that I have taught you, baptizing them like we just did in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We are called to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, blessed in the storehouse and blessed in the field, blessed in our going out and blessed in our coming in. We are not called to be defeated. We are not called to be defeated. And I got to tell you, church, as I watch the sort of the religious horizon in America today, uh, it's hard to watch a big slice of the church languishing in lukewarmness like we are today, intimidated by the enemy, quivering with fear in their tents. Let me tell you something. God didn't call us to please the world. You know why a lot of churches are getting rid of the Bible and getting rid of the truth and compromising so much because they want the world to like them. But I want to tell you, Jesus said, if you walk with me, you're going to be persecuted. And if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And when you're persecuted, lift up your heads and praise God for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. He has not called us to please the world, but to please him. He has not called us to bow to the world, but to bow to him. I don't try to please the world. I want to please him. I live for an audience of one. I play for an audience of one. I preach for an audience of one. I pray to an audience of one. I am not living for the nod of approval from a backslidden, godless world. What about you? No. If you try to please the world, you will never win a soul. You will never change anybody for the glory of God. So many ministers today have become compromising and soft. It's a heartbreaker. They love to have the world's praise and will do almost anything to gain the world's approval. But dear church and any preacher listening to me on radio, you're called to hold up the word of truth and not bend, bow, break, or back down in front of the world. Because God has called us to do what David did. He stepped into the middle of the battle It was a spiritual battle against the people of God and the God of the people, and he brought down the giant that was hindering God's purpose. That is our call. Amen. So many Christians just say, well, that's too bad what's happened in the church. Tisk, tisk. Not giant killers. Not giant killers. When they see a church that is kowtowed and intimidated by the world, 
That giant killer becomes jealous for the armies of God. The giant killer totally agrees with the words to the song that we used to sing a lot. They went like this, let the church be the church. Can we say that together? Let the church be the church. Let the people rejoice. We've settled the question. We've made our choice. Let the anthems ring out, songs of victory swell, for the church triumphant is alive and well. That's what we want. Our culture is in big trouble. America's in deep trouble. But you know what? The answer is not Republican or Democrat or Libertarian. No, no, no. The answer is the church. God is looking to the church. If my people, called by my name, will turn from their sins and pray and humble themselves and seek my face, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. The second component to David's motivation was not just to see the reproach taken off of the armies of God, but it was to restore the knowledge of God in the earth. Listen to what he said to the giant Goliath. I, I love this, this teenager. Goliath looked at him coming, and he said to Israel, he said, this is the best you've got? This kid? He doesn't even have armor on. And he's walking up to me with a stick? He had no idea what was in him. What he was talking to, that this young man had been touched by the Spirit of God, had been a man after God's own heart, and was coming to Goliath not with sword and spear, but with the mighty name of Jehovah God. He said to David, Huh, this is your last day. I'm going to kill you and feed your body to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And this young man, instead of quaking, shivering, running, going and grabbing some armor, having second thoughts, immediately looked at him and ran towards him and said, you got it backward. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines, the whole army, to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. Now listen to what he said. Here's his motivation that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Man, <clears throat> I love that. What was his motivation? The king's money? The king's daughter? Tax-free? No. He said, I've got a burden. God has touched my life and put desire and motivation in my heart. And here it is. I want to see his army delivered from disgrace. And I want to see the knowledge of the Lord cover the earth. What a heart. What a young man. Where did that come from? Where did he get this motivation and this faith? You know, we talk about a verse, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And we've always interpreted that to mean, well, if I just delight myself in the Lord, he'll give me whatever I want, whatever is in my heart. But let's look at it this way. Delight yourself in the Lord and the desires that end up ruling your heart will be from Him. How about that? Delight yourself in the Lord and He's going to drop the desires and motivations He wants you to have into your heart. David had been touched by the Spirit. 
and he was a man after God's own heart. I would submit to you today that these motivations came from him seeking God, and God said, look at that, there's a young man seeking me, so I'm going to drop my desires and motivation into his heart. So what came out of him is what God had put there, that the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. All the earth. Giant killers feel that way. You know, we're on 42 radio stations right now. God has opened the door for us to be on in Dallas-Fort Worth twice a day, an hour a day, weekdays. But we're on now in Chicago. We're on in the Philippines. We're on in Spokane, Washington. Uh, 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 We're on, you can pick up our message driving down the Ventura Highway in California. I like that. Now, why are we on? Are we on to get famous or to be celebrity or to make our church? No, because we want the knowledge of the Lord to fill the whole earth. That's why. Now, here's a fact. When the people of God, when the people of God kill the giants of the land, the knowledge of the Lord begins to cover the earth. Something happens when giants begin to fall. When a giant falls, it makes headlines. You know how I know that? Because I read two headlines just this week that blessed me. And let me tell you what they were. This was a headline. I read that over half of Americans recently polled now consider themselves pro-life. Now stop for a minute. If you had taken that poll 10 years ago, it would have been a small percentage pro-life and a majority pro-choice or pro-murder. Because the killing of unborn children is the slavery of our day. In the days of slavery in this country, there were churches that thought it was completely right to do. Half of America was divided, one against the other. Half thought it was perfectly okay to have slaves. The other half was against it. And God's truth finally had to prevail, and that after a civil war. Abortion is the slavery issue of our day. And the good news is, that the percentage of people who believe it's all right to kill a child in the womb is decreasing, and those that believe you should save that life, pro-life, is increasing, and that is a giant that is falling in front of our eyes. And here's something else I read that I love. I read that a great majority of Americans now believe creationism over evolution. And a majority of Americans now are rejecting the teaching of evolution and saying, no way we came from an ape which came from amoeba and amoeba that crawled out of some ancient sea and grew legs and began to walk and finally man evolved out of that. No, 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 no. God did it. God made it. This is designed by a designer. And a majority of Americans now believe that. You know what that is? That's two great Goliaths that were taunting the West are now beginning to fall, that were corrupting our country, are now beginning to fall and topple. And you know who did it? Primarily the Church of Jesus Christ did it by slinging the smooth stones of God's truth relentlessly into those two foreheads, and now we're beginning to see them topple. You ought to give praise to God for that today. David had a great burden. 
a burning desire to see the knowledge of God cover the earth. And I mean, it did, and it did fast. When the news spread that a simple shepherd boy had brought down a mighty champion of the Philistine giants with nothing but a sling and a stone and faith in God, David went from a zero to a hero in one day, from unknown to famous. And he became known as the giant killer who killed the giant by the name of the Lord. Church, let's remember, Jesus already told us we're anointed to bring down giants. Mark 16, in my name you will cast out devils. You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He said the gates of hell will not prevail against you as you march against them. When a demon's power is bro broken off of a tormented soul, which we see regularly in this church, a Goliath has just been killed. When a lost soul is pulled out of Satan's grasp and out of the mouth of hell and saved, a giant has just been defeated. When a drug addict is delivered by the power of God, then the knowledge of God covers the community because that's another giant that has come down. In our church, we have a ministry called Celebrate Recovery. It's one of the many ministries available here. But people come on Tuesday nights who are, uh, not all of them, but many of them addicted, bound, with all kinds of problems. In Celebrate Recovery, we are dedicated to people being delivered and healed. And regularly we see drug addicts and alcoholics set free. People in bondage are freed from their chains and the knowledge of God begins to cover the community through their testimony. When giants come down, news spreads. David's motivation was for the knowledge of God to be known to the earth, and that's my motivation. That's our motivation. And the last component to his motivation was to restore confidence in a delivering God. Listen to what he said to Goliath. Then, he's talking to the giant now, then all this assembly, now stop a minute, what assembly? The Philistine giants in front of him? The army of the Philistines? No, it's the assembly behind him who are hiding in the tents, staring out the flaps at what they think is about to be a horrible sight of a teenage boy slaughtered by the giant. He said, no, 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 I know what's about to happen. And here's my motivation, that all the assembly behind me shall know that the Lord does not deliver with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you Goliath, into our hands, and I love that he put a time frame on it, today. I like that. You know, hell's favorite word is someday. God's favorite word is today. When you say someday I'll get saved, someday I'll deal with this habit, someday I'll deal with this giant, and then, then you just essentially said, I'm making peace with you and I'm going to live with you. But when you say today is the day of salvation, today is the day of my deliverance, I think we need to say to our giants, today is your last day. What, what I like about this story is this particular day, the 42nd day of the giant's harassment, David woke up and all he knew was daddy had sent him to his brothers with some bread and cheese and to find out how they're doing. 
Goliath woke up and said to himself, another great day of harassing these chickens. But what God knew is, my boy is about to become a hero and my giant is going to see his last day today. Today. This whole assembly will know that the Lord doesn't deliver with sword and spear. Now clearly what had happened was Saul being a backslidden king, the army followed him into a backslidden, fearful, unbelieving state and they had forgotten the power of God. And David was saying, I'm going to beat this giant so that the reproach can be taken off the army, so that the knowledge of God can cover the earth and so that God's people can remember that God delivers, that the battle is His. <clears throat> Amen. That's His motivation. And so I want you to know today that when you're attacked by the enemy, God says, He just attacked me. Your enemy is my enemy. Your foe is my foe. When He comes against you, He comes against me. And it's like God said to Moses, He said, Moses, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord that he is going to show you today. Did Moses divide the sea and let them across? No. God sent a strong east wind and the sea divided to make way for his people and God fought the battle. Then God drowned the Egyptian army chasing them. The battle was the Lord's. It was not the people's. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still, let go, relax, and know that I am God. Your God will fight for you and you will hold your peace. When our church comes under attack, I give the attack and the attacker to the Lord because I know that if I'm involved in His work and I'm His child, that it's His battle. When I, as a pastor, come under attack myself, I give the attack to God because I know He sees it and that the battle is His. So I just put on the armor of God, give God the attack, stand my ground, and it says resist the devil and he, not might, not maybe, not hope so, but he will flee in terror from you. Can you say with me, it is God who delivers. Stand up with me today, would you? Think with me and remember this. David's preparation was in defeating the lion and the bear. He learned the power of God. That's part of what made him a giant killer. His confidence in the power of God. His determination was to operate by faith with spiritual weaponry. That made him a giant killer. His motivation was the honor of God. Think with me, church. One man, one teenager stood between life and death. Israel was about to be buried and ruled by Philistines. One teenager who had the spirit and understood spiritual warfare, stood in the gap. And I like to think, all Goliath remembered hearing was what sounded like a helicopter taking off. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And he's looking. Do you know that there was only one place to kill him? His whole body 
was covered in armor, and he had an armor a shield bearer in front of him. There was only one spot right there. And David looked, and I believe he said, Here goes, Lord. It has to be the first stone. Let it go. And I believe, I do, an angel grabbed it when it left the sling and carried it by faith straight into his forehead. Here's all of Israel watching out of the tent. Thunk, it hit. And this monster fell forward. Thud, the whole earth shook. Courage is contagious. Israel came running out of their tent. Well, where have y'all been? And chased down the Philistine army and everything David said happened. What a victory. I want to pray for us today. How many of you would like that motivation in your heart? How many, amen? Let's pray together right now. As a matter of fact, if you are in a struggle, with a giant. I want you to come down to the altar right now. I want to pray for you. Come right now because there's, there's a giant killer in this place. His name is Jesus. Some of you are dealing with a habit. Some of you are dealing with a conflict with another person. Your marriage is under attack. Your home is under attack. Your kids are under attack. Your finances are under attack. Giants are real. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against wickedness in high places and rulers of the darkness of this world giants but the giant killer lives in us now can we say together greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world now I'm going to pray as, as I really felt impressed of God to do that this motivation we see in David that he woke up with every day for the honor of God will be put in us. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he's going to drop into your heart the desires he wants you to have. Can we lift our hands to him? And let's pray together. Father, I pray for this church. Lord, one teenager routed the enemy and delivered an entire nation. What can you not do with a whole church? with thousands of churches across America. What can you not do if we were to seek you and operate in faith and go forward courageously? And so, Lord, right now, I pray that the motivation that beat in David's heart, because the Spirit of God put it there, that by the same Spirit, you will put that motivation in our heart, that we would be motivated for the honor of God, motivated for the victory of God's people, motivated for the knowledge of the Lord to fill the earth, motivated that God's people would remember that you are he who delivers. And it's not carnal weapons, but it's spiritual weaponry that delivers and delivers for good. Lord, in Jesus' name, give us this motivation. Now, church, pray it with me with all of your heart. Say, Lord, today, I give you the giant that comes against my life each day he defies me and your purpose in my life and taunts your purpose and blasphemes you and Lord as David said today I say today not someday but today is the last day he exercises his authority in my life in the name of Jesus, 
Lord, I give the giant to you. And I pray the battle is the Lord's. I turn to you for the grace to see the giant defeated. He is already defeated by the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus and the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for victory today. And I say to the giant today, you're coming down and you are defeated in my life, in Jesus' name. Now, church, pray and say, Lord, give me the motivation that beat in David's heart. You put your desire and your motivation into my very being. And when I wake up from here on out, it will be with divine, godly motivation ruling my life. Lord, I thank you for doing it. We marvel at what you did in the life of this young man, David. And we marvel at what you're doing in the church of the living God. The same God that was in him is in us. But even better than that, Lord, we're under a new covenant with a better sacrifice and a better blood and a better spirit and a superior way. And we thank you, Lord, that what you did in him, you can do in us. Give him a hand of praise today.